I'll be reading this morning from my Bible, which is the New International Version. The scripture is John 3, 1 through 17. The subject is Jesus teaches Nicodemus, but as we go through it, I think we know he teaches us all. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. A wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you not, can, cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you, not, you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So we have this story here from Nicodemus, the born-again text. And i got to tell you, I'm sure you know that the term born again kind of conjures up a whole lot of different meanings uh, in the world we live in. At its narrowest, it seems to be about, it seems to conjure up this image of being, uh, buying into a particularly fundamentalist dogma and perspective on what Christianity has to be, a very narrow box of things that tends to be what I think people are conjuring up. If, if you're raised Pentecostal, if you're in the Pentecostal church, it seems to be about a powerful manifestation of God's Holy Spirit. 
And yet as we look at this story today, it is my hope that we will find it to be a concept that is far broader and I feel more relevant to the world we live in today than perhaps we had, than perhaps the media uh, suggests or the, uh, you know, the things we hear suggests. And it really falls in the midst of really understanding what it means to be born again means to understand this confrontation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. And like most of John, there's a lot of symbolism going on here and everything has kind of a double meaning. In this case, the darkness has a double meaning here. Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the dark and Nicodemus himself is in the dark about God, about what real life with God is about and about who Jesus is. Uh, the water also has a double meaning in this. It conjures up the images of baptism, but it's also about our natural birth from our mothers. There's a lot of double meaning going on here. Um, and while the term born again is only used one other time in the New Testament, dying and rising is a central theme throughout in the synoptic gospels matthew mark luke and john or matthew mark and luke uh, the path of death and resurrect, resurrection is the way that jesus taught about in fact the first followers of jesus were not called christians they were called followers of the way and the way that jesus is talking about is a way is a path of death and new life uh, as in Mark, who says, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Now, when we hear that today, we hear, you know, take up the burden of Christianity and follow Jesus. But in Mark's time, when he wrote that down, what he meant was follow Jesus in death and be resurrected with Christ. Luke adds daily, take up your cross daily and follow Jesus very literally talking about following Jesus in death and resurrection. And Jesus then tells his followers to follow him in this path. Whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever would lose his life for my sake will gain it. It's about dying into new life. In Paul, dying and rising with Jesus is also a central theme. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ so that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We all who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, Paul says. Therefore, we have been buried with him by baptism into death so that just as Christ was raised from the, from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. That's a good one. We too might walk in the newness of life. And in John, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for John, Jesus is the Word made flesh. And that flesh word is the way is the is the walker of the way and the way he's talking about here is this path of that jesus incarnates and that path that way is the path of death into resurrection death to self and resurrection into new life 
or a, a new self. So it seems that the entire New Testament is calling us to death and resurrection, from darkness into light, from dying into rising again. And this seems to be such a central theme within all of Christianity. And Marcus Borg in his book, The Heart of Christianity, suggests that this has to do with a natural evolution of who we are as people. Uh, as babies, you know, we're born kind of not self-aware and just innocent and not really aware of our own selves. And we kind of, as you grow, you grow into self-awareness. We become self-conscious, self-focused, self-centered. We become the separated self that has forgotten that we are made to be with God. Parker Palmer tells a little story about a, a, little, a little girl who is about three years old when her mother uh, has another child. And she was very excited about having a new little brother, little sister. And when they brought her little brother home, the little three-year-old girl was insistent that she wanted to be alone with the baby in the nursery with the door closed for a few minutes. Well, you know, new parents, they're a little nervous about this idea, but... They, they figured, well, we got the little monitor in there. We can check in and see what's going on in there. So they turned on the monitor. They let the girl go in there. And as they listened to the monitor, they heard her still, small voice lean down into the crib and say, Tell me about God. I've almost forgotten. It was a very cute story. But this, this image is that that somehow as we grow into our own self-awareness, the, the reality that we have come from God, and yet as we grow into our own self-awareness, somehow we get further and further away from that deep connection that we have with God. Tell me about God. I've almost forgotten. And thus, the fall that we always hear about that is, is not something that Adam and Eve did. It's something that we all do as we grow, yet is an intricate part of our own personal growth into a person as we fall away from our relationship with God. As we become acculturated and socialized and become obsessed with things like appearance, achievement, affluence, we fall further and further into the world of separation and alienation. Thomas Keating called this the false self, these pursuits of the world. Frederick Buchner, a theologian, probably most of you haven't heard of, says we live our lives from the outside in rather than from the inside out as we grow further and further away from God. We are as the Hebrews in Egypt or in Babylon, trapped and enslaved and in need and crying out to God for liberation. It's a great contradiction that we are made in the image of God, yet we live exiled from paradise. Thus, our vocation becomes one of return of dying to one's old self and being reborn into a new way of being that produces love and compassion. This 
is the thing that Nicodemus seemed to miss when he came to Jesus in the middle of the night. Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee, and not only that, but a leader among Pharisees, so he was probably part of the Sadducees. So, you know, Nicodemus had a lot to lose by spending time with this street preacher. But he comes to Jesus and he opens up, as is often the case, a good way to start a conversation like this is to throw a little flattery out there. Jesus, we know that you're a good guy. We know that you come from God because who, who could do the things you do if you didn't come from God? Well, Jesus is not interested in small talk. <laughs> Jesus is not interested in shallow flattery. Jesus says, look, you think I'm special. But, you know, if you want to see the things I've seen, you must also be born again. You must also be born from above. You must also be born of the Spirit anew. Born anew. And Nicodemus, like so many, a literalist, says, how is this possible? How is this possible? How can I enter my mother's womb again? And you want Jesus to go, it's a metaphor, you idiot. <laughs> Don't you get it, the nuance here? I'm, try, I'm making a point with an image here of birth. <laughs> Jesus doesn't do that. <laughs> Jesus is astonished. You know, I'm talking to you about fairly simple things, Nicodemus. That being born again, being born back into that new, that relationship that you once had with God in the midst of creation. I'm talking about being born into that again and regaining that, that sense of connection to God that was lost as you grew so self-important, as you grew so self-obsessed. As you grew so isolated away from God and from everyone else. I'm talking to you about simple things, Nicodemus. And you don't understand them, yet you are a leader? Man, what if I talked about complicated things? <laughs> what would we do then? Is what Jesus says. And Jesus seems to go on to talk about how important it is to understand the love of God, how much love God has had for this world, and sent me to show you a way back to that connection that's been lost for so long. Get away from that isolation that you've been experiencing. Get away from that self-obsession Find new life, new birth that leads to wholeness, that leads to connection, that leads to a sense of being a part of something that's bigger than yourself, that takes the weight of the world off your shoulders and spreads it around and helps you realize how interdependent we really are, not only on one another, on God being born again it's part and parcel with what it means to be a Christian I know it's a loaded term but when people ask me if I'm born again I say heck yeah <laughs> I'm born again 
and again and again (laughs) and again. I am constantly trying to work on that, that renewed relationship, that transformational relationship with God. It's a dramatic... You know, some of us experience a dramatic kind of born-again experience, dying of the old self in an instant and dramatic way. Sometimes there's been some, some very real and powerful experiences people have had in their lives that make them go, wow, God is really speaking. And it turns them around. And, uh, you know, and I, I, don't ex- I haven't experienced that. For me, it's always been this lifelong journey of discovery, of not being born again at one instant time, but being born again over and over and over again. And I guess I would only say that to those who have experienced that born-again experience, that it, doesn't, it isn't about that one moment, but it's about the transformation that happens in our life over time. Whether it's instant or over time, rebirth that is, is something that is ongoing and constant. It's important to note that this seeing the vocation of Christian life as one of dying to the false self and being reborn into the true and new self is neither an exclusive claim of the Christian nor does it necessitate an exclusive claim of the way and the only way. Uh, You know, the images of the way of a new heart is common in Judaism and in the Old Testament. And the word Islam means surrender or to be radically centered on God. Muhammad is reported as saying, die before you die. It's an interesting thing to say. And the Buddhist path is all about letting go. And according to the Tao Te Ching, if you want to be full, let yourself be empty. If you want to live, let yourself die. I only bring these things up to say what an, what an incredible draw this notion of rebirth is that comes from God. That it permeates our humanity. There is something inborn within us. There is something in our DNA that cries out to let go of this world and hold on to God. Amen? There is something within us that says, God, I'm lost without you. We know it. We know it in our heart of hearts. Even if we resist it. Even if we shun it. Even if we shove it away. Even if the world, that's, that's why, that's why when we embrace the world, we find ourselves disappointed. We find ourselves longing. That's why the richest person in the world seems to have the biggest problems in the world. That's why there is this inherent longing for connection beyond ourselves. So in this context of being born again, it's not about a particular event. It's not even about a particular faith path. It's about, it's not about linking yourself to your spot in heaven even. Not even about securing one's eternal life. It's about living an intentionally new way 
that is radically centered on God. If I wasn't clear in that, being born again is not about going to heaven. And it's not about escaping the jaws of hell. It is about living a life today that is centered not on yourself, but is centered on God. It's about nurturing and growing in that relationship with God. And what is the result? What is the evidence of such transformation? Compassion and love. If you want to know why God cares, if you want to know why God wants us to be so healthy and so whole and to live a life with God is because it produces in us compassion and love. And every ill in this world, is every war, every separation, every argument, every ugliness comes out of a lack of compassion and love. It is compassion and love that are the hallmarks of new life. And neither compassion nor love can be accomplished whilst one focuses in on one's own self. Compassion and love is something that springs forth from our soul and it springs forth from that place that is with us at our very creation. That's why I like that story about the little girl going to the newborn baby and saying, tell me what it's like to be right there with God. Because as I've grown older in the world, I keep forgetting. There's nothing more innocent or that reminds us more about the image of God than a little baby. It is this born-again lifestyle that we are called to. So I, I pray that we would all have the courage and strength to seek to embrace it, to live it out, to work at it day in and day out, knowing that as we get better at it, the more love and compassion is produced in the world. That not only transforms us as individuals, but transforms the world we live in and makes it more a reflection of the kingdom of God that Jesus begs Nicodemus to open his eyes to. Come out of the darkness, he says, and into the light. Be born again and see the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Loving and compassionate God, who has offered us rebirth and rebirth and rebirth, drawing us closer and closer to you all the time, we thank you and we rejoice in who you are. And we invite your spirit to teach us every day how to embrace a lifestyle of being born anew in you. Show us the way that we might follow your path. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.